Welcome back to That Talking Thing. I'm Kim. I'm Jason. This is episode 15, season two. And we are talking about our favorite thing. (laughs) Not our children, our business. Business topics. (laughs) And there's a good one coming up. A phrase that I've been like reading recently that's really motivating me and changing the way I think about business. But first, let's also talk about. How do you know if a feature will be popular? Yeah. So I'm going to talk about a feature that's been brought up repeatedly, historically. Okay. For our product. People have mentioned it. And then we'll decide. Maybe we'll make a plan for how would you Um, evaluate whether the popularity of this. So one thing is that WordPress user accounts, we're a membership plugin for WordPress. So um, it attacks onto WordPress, allows you to create members in your WordPress site that log in and access private things. Um, you can do a paid membership or you can do a free membership. So for this feature, um, all WordPress user accounts require an email address. People have long said, what if I don't have users with email addresses? They're yeah. a certain uh, age that they're not email users. Along with that, what do you do if somebody has an account with an email address and just wants to update their billing, doesn't want to have to yeah. authenticate, doesn't want to have to log in? So I guess the feature is kind of twofold. Uh, user accounts without an email address or some kind of magic links that would come to you by email and you could use to authenticate yourself without a password to manage your account. Okay, yeah. Whether it's to update a payment method on file, access an invoice. You see like magic links a lot of places, yeah. whether it's QR codes or, or secret codes sent to you, yeah. all kinds of things. So how would you even evaluate if we should do that? It's been talked about in our internal channels for a while. And it's tough. And I know why we haven't, because I think the notion is that this is easier. It's less. You don't even have an email, but not in this case. It's like the internet expects you to have an email address and kind of accounting for those cases where you don't have one or you already have an account on the site is complicated. And that's why we keep kicking the can down the road. But um, we need, like, there's other stuff. They'll say... I. I want to be able to check out without an email address, but there's probably like something else. We could get more specific about what they really need. Um, but it is, uh, yeah. So both those things, because people are asking for them, is it still a good idea to do? This also came up again because we're talking with uh, crypto mm-hmm. protocol, which unlock. part of the, yeah, unlock protocol. And part of, uh, you know, crypto in general is kind of privacy. Yep. And, uh, you know, you could sign in with a Ethereum wallet and we don't know your email address. And that's kind of one of the problems that has to be handled. And they're kind of diving in head on to that. Um, like have a WordPress user account without an email um, and just try to fake it. Um, hmm. So how would we evaluate if it's, but I don't, so I don't even, it's funny. Like I, I believe people would use this and like, I would on my own side, I realized, and th- yeah, that one where like we, uh, on the alumni association site, yes. we imported a bunch of users and then they want to come donate, but they have an account that they mailed in 20 years ago. They don't even know their password. And they say, I'm going to donate a hundred dollars and says, well, we can't donate. You're trying to donate with an email address as an account. You have to log in first. first. And I think there's some things we can do. This is like tricky too, because you worry about privacy, but we can, um, take their money. Like, like if someone went to like expedity.com and put in your email address and then said, I'm going to pay your, you know, cable bill. 
And then Xfinity would be like, whoa, 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 sign in first before you pay. I, we should actually test it out. Like yeah. big companies do this, but I think they do. I think Netflix is like log in and then we're going to figure out your you and then charge you. Um, but there is the thing where like, hey, just let them pay. And then don't log them in. Like our checkout logs you in. But right. if you were, if it was like, if we detect there's a previous account, you know, just take their money. Because an error like, hey, I took your money, but you have to like also yeah. retrieve your account. Because the thing is, retrieving an account is so hard. Yes. I'm talking through this. You convinced me that that's why you want to just take the money because yes. there no one's going to do that. But the magic link thing, it's kind of cool when it works. It's like it we emailed you. But sometimes people don't know their email. They have different emails. Um, it would be email password. Have, you know, yeah. Send me a magic link or however, you know, Slack does this. However, Slack does this. Yeah. Wait, is it like, so it's like JavaScript. Now, notice how this is like one of the most popular things we could ever program <laughs> into the plugin. But no. you're at checkout, you submit. You put in a password. If you didn't, it's like what it's going to say. Your, what's your password? We could even do that. Detect. Um. No, I think I said with like it. Yeah, I know. Wait, you probably like put in a password because you're not logged in or whatever. But detect like. Actually, maybe even just by JavaScript, when you write in the email, be like, "That's an existing email. Pop up. Hey, you got to log in to continue." And then, the magic link is kind of one of the easiest thing. Like you already put in the email address, so we're, this is. I guess it's a way, this is also a difficult privacy thing. Now your checkout form becomes a way to like validate someone's Who has on your website. So you'd have to put at least like, I think Three sites are getting over done. these, but yeah, like kind of like, hey, you know, this feature turns off if you change the email a couple of times. I could see. So this is like <laughs> rabbit hole of like what needs to be done. So, so that like people that can't log in. Yeah. If you had a checkout form and you entered an email address and just took their money I could change your membership account. You could be oh, locked into a legacy yeah, $147 a year version of Paid Memberships Pro bought 10 years ago. And now yeah. I could make you and lock you into a $600 right. a year. Or people have done this on sites. They do like donations. They'll do like live. Donated the name of. So whatever. Yes. You know. Um, and then they can like see it come up and they're like, look, they make yeah. fun of someone that for donating to the wrong thing. The magic link gets around that as long as you preserve and limit how many retries someone can do. The other thing so, is, and uh, you don't have to validate that it's true. You can just say, if an email existed for this account, we yeah. have sent you a link. You don't have to say, great, I found you and an email was sent. I've seen it done. Mm -hmm. If if you exist, we did something. And it's not obvious yeah. on the browser whether it's true or false result. I think the other direction, like some big sites go is, you know, that which is something we want to look into also, which would complicate this in some ways, depending on what we do, is like multi-step checkout where like you have to log in first. Yes. You either register or log in or you, you're not even at the stage where you can pay. Yes. Um, but it's kind of like more self-contained for people. And maybe you do lose customers like that. And there's also these companies like Fast and Stripe has had where maybe they're working together. Stripe, all these payment gateways and Apple Pay and Google Pay is like, you're on the checkout page. It's like, I know you're not logged into the site, but Google knows who you are yeah. and knows your credit card. So just click a button and you're good to go. So try to just like accelerate it because that's for payment. But there's also this thing of like, you know, my 90-year-old grandfather is in like the car club and doesn't have an email address, but he still wants to pay. With so that's the thing too. It's like, there's like, this comes up with a lot of these kinds of features. There's like four different flavors of this. Mm -hmm. And is there a solution that kind of solves all four different problems? Or is one more important than the other? Or like if we solve one and not, I don't know. They're like kind of related, but not. But how do we make a decision? Like we just, yeah. How do we make a decision? This is important versus the other stuff that we do. I don't know. 
Can I add one more version of this yeah. that people oh, okay. have asked sure. for? Do we have a couple minutes on yeah. this topic? Uh, people have asked for a membership account where somebody is the account holder for the access to the premium things and someone is the account holder for the payment yeah, we definitely and management of the account. So yeah. really one person can get on the forums or carries the accreditation as the mm -hmm. National Nurses Association of, of the United States of America. But somebody else is the person that makes sure that gets all billing related, that's all expiration and cancellation related notices mm -hmm. and can log in and update the payment method or update and repurchase the membership. So a billing contact yeah. that gets certain versions of messaging and can interact with the account in certain ways. We have like the sponsor members add-on we have now. There was also this like student teacher add-on that I don't mm -hmm. know if we ever shared it that much that was similar. And we want to take that concept and make basically like a new version of the sponsored members that supports that. Yes. Um, I think it's, you know, in our- For association level. Sure. But it, it is important because there's different things that operate that way. And it is yeah. like a slew of problems. I'm sure like folks who also implement this are figuring out. We implemented it for like Jose's website, Value Prop. Do you remember? It was like the first time we did it in like um, the Value Prop Accelerator. Okay. Back in like 2012. And- some of the problems years ago. Some of the problems were as maybe before that, some of the problems were Jason, Kim checks out, is paying for Jason. Jason's in the system. Jason's like, I this is really cool. I'm also gonna buy it for something else. And then Jason buys his own account. So sometimes people are like parent accounts and child accounts simultaneously, mm -hmm. or like and then if if should should Kim stop paying for him because he's paying some other way. So you, ha you have to kind of have multiple memberships per user kind of in a sense sometimes because it's kind of like, do you have a parent or child account? But I would think... I mean, all the edge cases get really weird. But maybe right. you just lock it down and say, hey, like, Jason can't buy an account because he already has one. You got to talk to Kim and get her to cancel your account first. I would say if you're a billing account contact, you're not a WordPress user. You are a secondary email address on the account uh, with uh, the magic link but, functionality or some other password. So just like, I bill, but I can't even access the content. I got to nope. create... Well, then... It, the. 50% of people are going to create a second account just for themselves. And can you do it with the same email or are they you know, like, I think a lot of the time the parent, the person who pays the bill also wants to kind of like read the content. At least in the one user we spoke to most recently, uh, they didn't care. not. They were the administrator for yeah, a like doctor's practice department. and they the doctor needed the access for the training, for the accreditation, yeah. for the community. And they were strictly handling the billing processing for but, that goofy yeah. Doctor who can't do a bill. I think you have to figure it out. I'm not, that one is like, I know that's a good use case and we want to support it. And we, we kind of already had plans to think about it, but we keep thinking our stuff is more important. And it's open source. So a lot of times it's kind of, hey, if someone wants to do these things, like come talk to us and like have a chat with me and Andrew and you and the rest of the team. And we'll say, hey, if, if we were going to build it, we would do it this way. That's going to like play the most nice with everything else we do. And then we could work together. I think we under-delivered on how do you know if a feature is popular. Under-delivered? Uh, yeah. Like I think the, we just talked about the feature. The specific feature. Uh, we don't know how to know. You don't know how to talk about it until yeah, people yeah. keep yelling at you. Or Go. make the smallest weird version of it. Oh, uh, that's good. And send that out, which is something we do. We do. Or, yeah, we we will do like workarounds yeah. and, and blog post a workaround or a code workaround. And then if that gets popular, like, well, people want to do this. They're going so far as to write code to do it then we should like help them better. Uh, but also, I mean, this doesn't have to be a long discussion either. Um, that quote that I heard, and I, I forget the source I looked it up, and this is like a quote as old as time, but the concept is biased toward action. 
And I think we've been doing a lot of thinking in the business and like, should we be doing this? Or like, that, what's the process for like running meetings like this? Or like, uh, we have this question of, you know, should we, we talked on the one episode about free versus paid mm-hmm. and we can't figure out like, what should we actually focus on? And um, I think we've exhibited this before and we're kind of on the lookout for it in the people who work with us is a bias for action. Yes. Is it when you're in this situation, like, are you like, we should step back and talk about this for six months? Or is it kind of like, well, that's okay. Just pick one and see what happens uh, and continue talking and be ready to, you know. Reverse your decision. Yeah. yeah. So um, it's a concept that I guess, I don't know that phrase. I heard that before, but it's like popped up a couple of times. I don't know if it's just like, yeah. you know, the. Well, like, you know, the other one is analysis paralysis. Okay. So yeah. you can look at any data set. Two people could have completely opposite analysis. We were doing that today earlier. Mm. Um, somebody could look at the performance on Google Analytics and and I could paint it in a really pleasant picture. Someone else could view that data and paint yeah. it in a negative uh, picture. So bias toward action says, you know, don't get into a state of analysis paralysis, you know. Yeah. Make a decision, try it, make something that's reversible. Even the free versus paid, there's a very short path Avoiding any A-B testing is just for one week, remove the free level from our checkup, yeah, page, from our pricing yeah. page, and then for one week, put it back. Get numbers on both. Yeah. And try not to change other things in the process, but otherwise don't over-architect a test for it. Yeah, yeah. Some, just take action. Sometimes it's- I'm ready to, to do that. you 80-20 yeah. principle. There's so many versions. It's like 80-20 principle. There's, you know- um, How quickly when we've worked with new people in our team, could we- identify if they present a bias toward action or how do you build that into an interview process or right because we're like core values and it's like what's a good question that would get a bias toward action um i feel like we we kind of realize how important a lot of the folks that we hire and we like to if whenever possible is have like test projects Mm -hmm. and so the test project you can figure that out um even like sometimes like we would have these coding problems. I'm free rolling here on us. It's yeah. a good idea that we would, I would go on with developers and it'd always be like, it's too much. You can, you can't get it to it in the half hour, an hour that you're on the phone. Right. Um, and then I, I didn't mean for this, but like a lot of times over the weekend, they'd be like, I was still working on that. And I was like, no, 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 that's just like a thing that quiz you. Like I have the answer. We already did it. Like is, uh, and sometimes it's good. It's like, Hey, that shows like, you know, they have a problem. They have, you know, some other attributes, but is it like a bias towards action or yeah, maybe could you simulate that? Look out for it in, in the, when you're asking them about previous work they did and decisions mm-hmm. they made. Or tell me, oh, yours was like, what's like a decision you got wrong? I mean, how did you okay. present it? Cause that's like, what, are you scared of that? It's, you know, if you can tell, right. and sometimes you do have to slow down, you know, um, it's like Matt Mullenweg, uh, you know, kind of leader of WordPress and a bunch of other people have talked about how, like when you're making decisions, if it's easily reversible, mm-hmm. like, go ahead, just make one. You can always switch it as you, you're always going to learn, you know, always be learning. That's like another yeah. version of this. It's like, no matter what, we're going to learn. Even if we learn, Hey, we made the wrong decision. But sometimes there's a decision where like, Ooh, once we go down this path, it's really hard to correct this and you yeah. have to slow down. Um, We've done in some interviews I've conducted we've done like a simulation role play of how we work on a problem so we present right. a problem present a few options and oh, the people good. who say you know that seems like the most straightforward group to attack and we could do it this way that can very quickly get from 
yeah. a high level conversation that they've never heard of before, never interacted with to some actions as yeah. part of it. That could be a piece how we yeah. analyze it. I mean, yeah. And I think it's good too. We bring in like actual problems, decisions we don't know the answer to and talk it through with them. And then at the end, you know, see if they have a bias towards action. Yeah. Say, you know, how would you feel? Like, are you ready to make a decision or like, what would you do now? And if they're kind of like, I would have another meeting, yeah. <laughs> then you're like, maybe not. Not enough meetings. Um, or if you say, nah, no meeting, you have to pick which one. If they kind of like flake on that. If they feel uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I mean, it could be just, you know, if, if they maybe they can get over that, but it's just kind of shows that like naturally they don't have that. And if that's an important part of the role they're having, you know, do you need that? Or if you kind of force it, hey, if you had to make a decision, which one, and they pick one, then, and you talk through it, like, yeah. That's cool. All right. Try, kind of put them on the spot. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. Let's go hire someone now. Really doing something. I need to make an action now. <laughs> I have a bunch that I've, a <laughs> I've held off on. Yeah. All right. Let's go do some stuff. Go do some stuff. Bias towards action. Get stuff done. Get stuff done. Just ship it. Always learning. Always be learning. All right. Sorry. Uh, thanks for watching. See you. Catch you all next week.